Hello and welcome to The Forge. My name is James and this is the place where I teach verse by verse through the Bible. I am a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant who went on to serve the Lord's Church as an assistant pastor, worship leader, and youth pastor. During my time in these roles, I finished seminary and I hold a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies and a Master of Divinity. I've been involved in ministry in some form for over 25 years, and it is my hope that this podcast will be a blessing to you as I teach from God's Word, the Bible. Forge exists to serve those whom the Holy Spirit is calling into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is done through biblical teaching so that individuals understand God's forgiveness, live in its reality, and overcome the wounds caused by bondage to sin. I will always hold to the truth found in scriptures, and a summary of my doctrinal statement is worded perfectly in the five solas of the Reformation. I believe Christians experience gratefulness and renewed purpose as they are encouraged by the words of life, which spring from the Bible. I pray that this podcast plays a role in God's ongoing work in your life. Don't forget to look in the show notes for links to the podcast website where you can leave a donation or leave a voice message with questions. I will be collecting questions for a future Q&A podcast. Also, please leave a review on whatever platform you are using. That and telling others about this podcast are the two biggest things you can do for me. Now grab your Bible and get ready for a verse-by-verse study. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Forge. Today we are looking at Genesis chapter 20. Can you believe it? We're already 20 chapters into this book of 50 chapters. I did not expect to be covering this material at this rate, but I'm glad that we are making such good progress. So I hope that you find these studies helpful And with that said, let's jump right into the reading of God's word, beginning at verse 1 of Genesis chapter 20. Again, Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. Hear now the words of the living God. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerah. Now Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, Will you slay the righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? 
And she, even she herself said, he is my brother in the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands. I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told all these things in their hearing, and the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, because I thought, surely the fear of the Lord is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham, and he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, see, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah, he said, behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus, she was rebuked. So Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants. Then they bore children. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And as I always say, may God bless the hearing and the reading of his holy word. We don't know the reason, but Abraham decides to take a trip through the Negev and into Gerar. This was the capital city of the Philistines. It was near the Egyptian border. And it may be that Abraham was going to do some business there. The Bible doesn't really tell us, but it is clear from a reading of the scripture that at this point in the narrative, Abraham is enjoying the blessings of God. It is reasonable of us to think of Abraham at this time as a wealthy and powerful chieftain. And a good thing for us to do at this point is to consider where these different nations and these different people groups came from. 
the Philistines were from Ham's line. In fact, there is archaeological evidence which names Mizraim as their father. And you will remember that he was a son of Ham. And you'll know this from our earlier study here in the book of Genesis. Mizraim is also claimed as the father of the ancient Egyptians. The descendants of Mizraim also mixed with Japheth's line. And while we do not know much about these particular people groups, we do know one thing for sure, and that is that they were ungodly. And you would think at this point that Abraham's faith would be strong. Um, You would think that he has seen the protection of God for him and his family and the provision that God has made for him. And let's just take a moment and do a really brief overview here of what God has done in Abraham's life up to this point. First thing he did was God called Abraham out of his homeland. Then there's the covenant that God makes with Abraham where Abraham prepares the animals. And God walks through the middle of the animals in this covenant rite. God delivers Abraham and Sarah from the Egyptians when Abraham lied the first time. Remember, he lied to Pharaoh and God delivered him out of that. God was victorious through Abraham's rescue of Lot and the kings of the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. Not to mention God's complete obliteration of Sodom and Gomorrah, those two cities, and God's deliverance of Lot for Abraham's sake. And not to mention that around that same time, there was this reminder from God that Abraham was going to have the son of promise, that Isaac would be his name, and he would be here by this time next year. In spite of all of this, Abraham decides that once again, it would be a good idea to say that Sarah is his sister and not his wife. So why do you think they would once again repeat the same lie? You know, that's a good question for us to ask ourselves as we consider this chapter in Genesis. Did it work out to their advantage before? You go back and do the study and you can answer those questions. Why do you think that they would once again repeat the same lie? And a second follow-up question is, did it work out for their advantage when they did it the first time? So moving on here, we look at the word Abimelech. It seems to be that the, the word Abimelech is kind of like a title, like Pharaoh is a title. In your own study, you can compare the use of the word Abimelech, uh, as we see it here in Genesis. Go read Psalm 34 and go read 1 Samuel 27 too. The word Abimelech actually means my father is king, or it means father of a king. And there you have that word Ab, like Abba which means father. So again, look for these clues when we're looking at words that are translated into English 
or even transliterated into English from another language like Hebrew or Greek. So we see that Ab uh, Abimelech was probably the father or the grandfather of the Abimelech, which will be uh, encountered by Isaac. And we will read about that later when we get to chapter 26. There's also a ruler of Tyre in 1375 BC by this same name, Abimelech. So it is possible that even though Sarah was 90 years old, she had been rejuvenated by the power of God. After all, she's going to conceive, she's going to bear a son, and she's going to nurse her own son. In other words, she was good looking to the king. And he could have also desired a union with her as a peaceful and political move with this powerful chieftain, Abraham. And such arrangements are not unheard of, and they were quite common throughout history. You know, the prince of one nation will marry the princess of another nation to ensure the peace between the two nations. And that always works out, doesn't it? Because certainly in-laws don't go to war, do they? <laughs> but seriously, uh, we don't really know the reasons. We do know that the king took her, Sarah, for his harem. So what does harem actually mean? It's interesting to me anyway, that it literally means forbidden place. And of course the harem was a forbidden place for all but the king's servants. Often this area would be guarded by eunuchs who would take care of the king's women, basically concubines and wives. Uh, perhaps young children were kept there so that the mothers could nurse. But there's this idea here that Abimelech wants to add Sarah to his collection of wives and concubines. So as we consider verses three through eight, we learn that the king had done this thing, and this is what he says, in the integrity of his heart. But I want you to notice something here, and that is this. God was not about to allow his promise to Abraham and to Sarah to be broken. And it certainly wasn't going to be broken by a mere human, ungodly king. And once again, we see here that salvation is of the Lord and that he alone is faithful to keep his promise. He is the one to be trusted in keeping the promise to Abraham and Sarah. He is the one who is faithful even when they are unfaithful to him. So what does God do? We'll look at a few verses later, which tell us that there's some kind of illness which comes to Abimelech's household. But before we do that, let's consider a few points here about the king and his interaction with God. So in verse 4, we see that the king Abimelech is afraid 
not only for himself, but for his nation. It could be that he sees his offenses against not so much Abraham, but the God of Abraham. In fact, it is God who states that to touch Sarah would have been a sin against him, against God. And that he alone, in other words, this is God talking, and he says that he restrained Abimelech from touching her. So ultimately, God explains it all to Abimelech in a dream. We don't know if there's any knowledge at this point of the one true living God among Ham's descendants. We don't know if that was passed down, but it is clear that Abimelech is now getting the message. There is a God in heaven. It is the God of Abraham. It's Abraham's God. And he is someone you don't trifle with. He's not to be trifled with, as the saying goes. But God is merciful in the midst of all of this and recognized Abimelech's innocence in this matter. But was Abimelech really innocent, according to the Bible? No, Abimelech was not innocent. Romans tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, while it is true that Abimelech did not know the truth about Sarah because Abraham lied, Abimelech still stood before God as a condemned sinner. And this is why I point out God's mercy toward this ungodly king. God would have been right to condemn Abimelech, if not for this offense, for some other offense, because we are guilty. We are guilty even of sins done in ignorance. And God understands that we are ignorant and he is merciful. And so it is that God instructs the king to restore Sarah to Abraham and to have Abraham pray for the king's healing. In verses 9 through 18, we find Abimelech getting up early in the morning and quickly setting things correct. And he does this by returning Sarah to Abraham. And he repents out of fear that Abraham's God will destroy his nation. Friends, I want to ask you, what is your understanding of Jesus? Are you afraid of going to hell? Do you serve the Lord because of who he is and because he has given you new life? Or have you said a so-called sinner's prayer that could have been based out of an emotional response, primarily based in a fear of going to hell. What's a question? I mean, honestly, who wants to go to hell? Nobody. Who wants to go to heaven? Everybody, right? So there's probably plenty of folks who have repented of their sins and gone on to, quote, live a good life, that is a life free of vice and a very disciplined life. But the question is, were they truly saved? 
were they keeping a list of good deeds and behaving themselves according to a worldly standard, but they were doing this out of fear? Were they striving? Were they working, trying to, quote, be good? Did they exchange the bondage of sin for the bondage of religion? So let me encourage you to ask God to give you the new life, which only he can bring. And this new life that I'm talking about is not based in an emotional response. This new life does not necessarily come when you repeat some words that a preacher or a teacher or even your friend told you to repeat. You repeat these words and now you've been told that you are saved. But really what got to you was the fear of going to hell. And that was easy to fix. All you had to do was say these words, right? And this new life that I'm talking about It's a change in the heart, and it's a change that can only come from God. It is a spiritual rebirth. And why do I bring that up here? Because what I want you to see with Abimelech is that he's about to do several things, and he is motivated out of a fear of God. And what we're going to see here in Abimelech is a lot of good deeds, but not necessarily a good relationship with God. So let's get back to our passage here. The king Abimelech, he rebukes Abraham and Sarah for their lie. In a certain manner, he is holding court as a king might do, and he brings in witnesses. And this is done not only so they can apparently see the whole story as the king conducts this investigation in kind of a public courtroom, but it's also done to restore Sarah's reputation and the sight of all those present. In verse 11, we see the story of Abraham and Sarah's was evidently a prearranged plan. And one thing which stands out to me in all of this is Abraham's apparent fear for his own life, but his total lack of concern for Sarah's reputation or a concern for her life. Even as a part of this explanation, Abraham mixes a little truth with the lie. And notice what he says. Well, King, you know, technically she is still my sister. Now, that, that is, of course, my paraphrase of what he said. But the point is, is that he's mixing a little truth in with a lie, and it's still a lie. And so, as I've stated before, we ought to be very careful when we're considering these Bible characters that we don't judge them too harshly. Uh, give you some reasons why. So, notice here that when Abraham is talking with the king Abimelech. He states his fear to the king. And what is that fear? Well, I was afraid that you would take my life and then take Sarah as your wife. And I want you to notice something here. 
Abimelech does not deny that charge. In other words, there's probably a reason behind Abraham's logic that other rulers would want him dead so that they could have Sarah. And perhaps Abimelech would have killed Abraham so that he could take Sarah. Perhaps Abraham's fear was well-grounded. The Philistines could have had that reputation later on in history, as we're going to see eventually as we get through the Bible. The Philistines had a great army. And so even though Abraham did not trust God fully in this matter, we do not see God rebuking Abraham here. God only tells Abimelech that Abimelech is wrong. And I say all of this just to point out once again that we don't have every last detail here. If Abraham's reasons were based in the facts that rulers would kill other, another chieftain or another ruler and take his wife, then God knew the intention of Abimelech's heart from the very beginning. In other words, let's say that reputation is well-earned or Let's say that it's based in news that, hey, you go over there, they kill you if they like your wife. You know, the plan could have been for Abimelech to ask for Sarah. And let's say Abraham did not lie. And Abraham explains that Sarah is his wife and she's not available to be joined to another. And then Abimelech just says, hey, no problem. Guards off with his head and behold, now Sarah is a free woman. You see, God knows the intention of our hearts, and God knows the intention or knew the intention of Abimelech's heart. And that could have very well been his plan. So even when we claim that we are innocent, God knows our hearts. And God knows that our heart is wicked. My heart is wicked, just like Abimelech's heart is wicked just like even Abraham's heart was a wicked heart. The only thing that changes that is the power of the living God. So I did a little bit of speculation here. None of that is in scriptures, but I do believe that it's reasonable. So here's what is in the scriptures. Abimelech gives Abraham gifts. And he tells him that he can live anywhere he wants. Now, why do you suppose Abraham takes these gifts at this time from Abimelech? Because remember, he refused the gifts from those four kings during those battles in Sodom. And he gave Lot the first choice of the lands that he wanted to take. Lot, you take the high road and I'll take the low road. Or if you take the low road, I'll take the high road. But now we see Abraham is taking the gifts. Why? Why is he taking the gifts? Well, I'm going to suggest three reasons for you here to consider. First of all, Abimelech is not giving these in an effort to absolve himself of guilt. He is giving these gifts to honor the God of Abraham and Sarah. And he is honoring their special relationship that they have to their God. Secondly, I believe in the words of R.C. Sproul here, God not only delivered his chosen servants out of dreadful peril, but rewarded them with unexpected riches. 
you know, God does this later in history. Whenever the children of Israel leave Egypt, the Egyptians shower them with gifts. And the third and final reason comes from the scripture itself. These gifts were meant to vindicate Sarah in the presence of all those witnesses. See, Abimelech, fearing Abraham's God, seeks to restore not only Sarah to her rightful husband, but he wants to restore her honor and her reputation. He is saying publicly, listen, everyone, I did not touch her. So another first occurs here in this chapter. And as always, I'm going to reemphasize this again. We need to be on the lookout for the use of words for the first time here in the book of Genesis. And here we have the first use of the word prophet, the word prophet. The king was told by God that Abraham was a prophet. And so what does a prophet do? Well, a prophet declares the word of the living God. And Abraham here prays for the king and the king's household was restored. Now, there could have been some time which had gone by, perhaps a month or two. And I say this only because after Abraham prayed to the living God, the Bible tells us that Abimelech's wife and his maidservants were now able to bear children because God had closed up the womb. So whatever this sickness was that was in Abimelech's household, they seemed to know that they would not be having any children. And they needed Abraham's God to heal them. Now something must have happened as they now seem to know that their bodies are back to normal. And so that's why I suggest that maybe a month or two had passed because imagine the normal cycle of women not happening yet. No one is pregnant and the woman knows something's wrong because perhaps there's no way she could have been pregnant. So something must have happened. And that's my only point. And they know that now their bodies are back to normal and now they are going to be able to have children. And here you see that children were considered a blessing even among pagan nations. Children were a blessing because this was the hope of the future. This was your social security system, if you will. It is the children who would take care of their parents, of the elderly. So Abimelech tells Abraham and Sarah that Abraham was to be her covering. In other words, since Abraham is a prophet of God, that alone is enough to keep other men from going after Sarah. It's almost like the king is asking them, what is your guys' problem? Do you have any faith in this God of yours at all? Isn't he able to keep his promise to you and to protect you. So here you have this king, not even chosen by God, but yet he recognizes, listen, Abraham, you're a prophet of God. You don't need to be worried about somebody going after Sarah. God will take care of you. 
the final outcome of this whole interaction is that we never, ever read again of Abraham and Sarah not trusting in God. They seem to never again question his watching over them, his caring for them, even when he's faced with killing his own son, which we will read about in the future, Abraham is willing to follow God. So this brings us to the closing of yet another episode of The Forge. As always, I thank you for listening. And I would remind you to tell others about this podcast and take the time to leave me a review. These are the best things you can do for me tell others, and leave me a review. So until the next time, thank you for listening, and may the peace of God dwell in you richly. listening to the forge podcast and don't forget to leave a review with comments let me hear from you leave a voice message through the link i hope and pray that you find ways to apply the truths of god's word in daily living remember dear christian you are forgiven it is by grace that you've been saved through faith may you grow in christ in the study of the bible and truly overcome wounds that were caused by sinful choices and actions of the past. I also pray that you are always reforming, seeking to glorify God in all that you say and do. Remember to be grateful to God for what he is working out, not only in you, but in all his creation as well. And lastly, be encouraged. Encouraged to serve God and others as you grow in him. 